The theme for our sermon series over the next four weeks is simply this. Missions is the heart of God. Missions is the heart of God. UCLA men's basketball is 2-0 and just beat Gonzaga in overtime on Friday. Villanova, sorry. But that ain't news. Odell Beckham Jr. just signed with the Los Angeles Rams. But that is not news. Henry Ruggs III driving 156 miles per hour down the street while intoxicated and taking the life of of a young lady who was 21 years old at 3 a.m. in the morning is news. And it's sad news. May the Lord get a hold of Mr. Ruggs while he sits behind bars. I have compassion for the young man. May the Lord comfort the family who lost a 21-year-old daughter, sister, niece, granddaughter, The Dodgers losing in the playoffs in 2021 is not news. But our educational system and laws being written to confuse our children is. The Lakers losing again with one of the best and most talented teams they ever had is not news. But our teenage girls and boys feeling alone and depressed, contemplating suicide, and young ladies suffering from anxiety and depression from the ages of 12 to 24 is news. What the latest TikToker did to get millions of likes is not news. But what is news is the fact that the influencers themselves are never satisfied with their daily work and the likes that they receive and are committing suicide all around the world because the adrenaline rush that they are receiving just cannot satisfy their soul. The question for us, the church of today is this. Who will reach these people? Who will reach the Henry Ruggs, the thirds of the world? Who will reach these young people that are walking to school, thousands of them here in Los Angeles each day, and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ to and from school? Who will reach them? Who will reach the rich and famous? The athletes playing at the highest level of sports, becoming gods themselves. Entertainers, movie stars. Who will reach them? Who will reach the so-called influencers? Who will reach the teachers, the administrators, the lawmakers of today? Who will reach our students, whether in private school or public, who will reach and love our youth and give them the attention that they need. 
Yesterday I was at a youth conference in Corona, right across the street from Corona's Centennial High School. And I said, raise your hand, because if you believe it, or, believe it or not, when young people are together, they're more bold than when they're in settings like this. I said, raise your hand if you're suffering from depression. More boys raised their hand than I could, I could even believe. Mom and dad, you got to take the phone from the kids and you got to put it in the technology drawer. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Some of us need to take the, the phone and put it in the drawer. Some of us are dealing with anxiety and are shaky in our own hands because we can't put the phone down. Suffering from adrenaline. We become adrenaline junkies in 2021, and we got to put the sucker down. All of it's driven by money. My Bible tells me, would you serve God or would you serve money? We can't continue to feed into that whole system that is just going to perpetuate a life of sin, of darkness, of destruction, of despair, of depression. We need to be delivered of it. We need to be delivered from it. Even you right now feel better because you're not on it. Amen. Hallelujah. And we've forgotten what the heart of God is. Missions is the heart of God. In the great commission of Matthew 28, 19, Jesus commanded his disciples, go therefore into all the world, reaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And teaching them all things, Jesus said. Hallelujah. Come on, church, it looks like we're in a clapping mood today. Don't hold back from me. You know I love it when you respond. Hallelujah. Have we forgotten the Great Commission? This may be missions emphasis month, but it is missions every day. We should be focused on the emphasis of God's heart, which is missions, every day. We should live a life on mission every day. Every day. Hallelujah. God's calling us to align ourselves with the kingdom message of salvation for the lost. English-born missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, said, China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, ease-loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus and China and souls first and foremost in everything and everything. At every time, even life itself must be secondary. Raise your hand if you suffer the loss of somebody who died before their time. Raise your hand. And it could have been prevented. Raise your hand. All of us 
having a heart for God and reaching those who have not responded to the gospel or have floated away or have walked away from Jesus. It should compel us to the point of putting life second to what matters most, which is reaching souls with the gospel message of salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, we're going to put it up on the board. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, a big church, a very influential, influential church, he said this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many of you know that's good news? How many of you know that that is good news? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That comes from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 32. And Paul stands upon the shoulders of the book of Joel, the prophet, chapter 2, verse 32, and then repeats here in Romans 10, verse 13, he says, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Somebody say whosoever. So whosoever calls upon Jesus shall be saved. I love when we, when we start off with the good news. But look what it says in verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not yet believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, he references Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Hallelujah. How beautiful are the feet of those upon the mountains who bring good news, Isaiah says. It's so important and significant that we all understand that God has called us all to be preachers, either by word or by actions. At any rate, both of them are a demonstration of, number one, first, the love of God. And when we understand that God has loved us, it's the love of God that is in us that compels us to share that love with others. Some of us are, have the gift of gab and can talk. Some of us like to talk. Some of us are good at talking. And God wants you to use that gift to let people know how much you love them. Let your light shine for Jesus. Others of us don't talk as much. But I heard somebody say one time that actions can speak louder than words. And Paul is reminding us that if anybody calls on the name of Jesus, they're going to be saved. But how can they be saved if they don't even know who to believe in or who to put their trust in or who to turn to? But how can they know who to turn to if they have not yet heard about the one that they need to turn to? And how can they hear if we have not yet preached? And how can we preach if not? If we have not yet been sent, how can we be sent if we have not re yet responded is my question to us today. 
Only you can reach the people you can reach. I can't reach your people. I can't reach your people. I can't reach your people in your world. I can't reach your people in your world. I can't reach your people in your world. Neither can I reach the, your people in your world or your people in your world. Only you can reach them for God. You're a missionary. We're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to be on mission for God. Isn't that exciting? Oh, but you know, I don't know. My life is not worthy. Oh, but I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you do. Tell them about what God did in your life. Tell them about Jesus. Don't complicate it. It's really easy. Jesus is the answer, right, Pastor T? It's really easy to bring love. It's really easy to love. If you've experienced the love of God, it's easy to love. If, if, if you've allowed God to forgive you of your own sin and your own mess, and you say, God, I'm sorry, and you've, you've allowed God's love to impact your life and to, to reach you and to hit you, then guess what? It's easy to receive that love, and then in process of ex- receiving the love of God, then you're able to then give back that love to those that God is showing you to give it. And that's what being missional is like. That's why missions is the heart of God. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God first loved us, that he gave us his son, that he gave us Jesus. Hallelujah. It starts right there. Praise the Lord. And us aligning ourselves with the kingdom message of salvation sometimes requires that we reset our mind. Resetting our mind is repenting, evaluating, surveying, equipping, and testifying. That's what it means to reset. R-E-S-E-T. Repent. Father God, I'm sorry, Lord, because I have not been obedient. I've been feeling sorry for myself. Or I've been enjoying life a little too much. And I have not been emphasizing, Father God, me being a preacher or me living out the, 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 the kingdom message in action by everybody that you've put in my life. I've been selfish, God. Yet there's people that are dying on the vine because they have not heard the message of love that you have to give, that we have to give. We got to reset our mind. Can I hear an Amen. Missions is the heart of God. The whole gospel is summed up in missions. Praise the Lord. And missions is done in many forms. We've heard of recently here at church about supporting our missionaries financially. Did you know that every month we spend $4,000 sending money to missionaries all around the globe, and here on U.S. soil. That's close to $50,000 that your church has carved out of its annual budget to make missions a priority. Missions meaning somebody received a call upon their life, said yes, was obedient, and allowed their life to be sent to go and reach the lost with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Hudson Taylor, the, the, the 19th century Chinese missionary, spent a whole year on a uh, yearly sabbatical that he had translating the Bible from English, the, the King James Version, into Mandarin Chinese. A whole year. Because someone saw that there were people in the world that were dying having not listened to or heard the gospel of Jesus. Missions also can be you and I being city missionaries right here where we're planted. You can be an influencer for the Lord. You can be an influencer for Jesus. I know social media is not going to stop, but we got to redeem it. And we got to discipline ourselves and we got to discipline it. We got to use it as a tool and not let it become a vice. And that's just simply some godly advice for us to help us redeem the things of the world and use them for the goodness of God. Use everything that God has placed in your hand for good. Yes. Yes, God's called you to be an example. Yes. You're an example. Oh, no, I'm not an example. Don't look at me. I ain't no example. Trying to hide behind a mic stand. I'm, no, I'm nobody's example. I mean, remember what Charles Barkley said that. Yeah. Charles Barkley said, I'm not a role model. Yeah, you are. We all are. If you're a Christian, you're an example. You're a role model because you're a witness. And you give testimony one way or another. You are a testimony by virtue of who you are and who you serve and who you claim to be as a Christian. You're a witness. You're a role model for Jesus. Embrace it. Accept it. Other day I was at my son's football practice. Long Beach Poly's going to the third round semifinals of the playoffs. Praise the Lord. My son just got called up to varsity as a freshman. Proud of him. Told him he needs to be the best cheerleader and bench warmer there is as a freshman. Right, Corey? After the game, he shouldn't even have a, a voice left. Screaming so hard till he's ready to get out there and do his thing. But I'm proud of him. Congratulations, son. Well deserved. At his practice the other day, they got disciplined for being undisciplined at the game because they, they were just, they acted a fool. They just, they, they, they played so well that the boys were enjoying it a little too much. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so the coach says, your behinds belong to me tomorrow morning. So Saturday morning, they did bear crawls up and down the, every five-yard line all the way up to the 50-yard line. Oh, my, I felt, I felt sorry for them. I started praying for their whole team. Father God, help these boys. And, you know, when the drill instructor coach, when he was with the big, loud megaphone, you know, like, he was like, I saw you, maggots, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, and there would be a boy that was like, you know, a five yards short of the line, and he would pretend nobody was looking. He'd, like, run through it and get off of it. He said, I saw you. Back up. 
And he said this, you're a senior. You should know better. You're a leader. You're expected to do it right. Now go back to the other side and show all the freshmen how to work hard and how to do things the right way. I said, man, if a drill sergeant coach on the football field can preach a message of leadership and of example and to do the right thing, then we as Christians need to be able to be reminded that we are expected to do the right thing as well, even when it hurts. Even when we're challenged, even when our toes get stepped on a little bit by the word of God, even when we're a little uncomfortable, even when pastor is saying something that is right and we know that it is right, but, but, but our lives are not necessarily there and my life is not necessarily there. Sometimes I'm stepping on my own toes, but we are examples. Amen. We are examples and God's calling us to go to the world. As examples, being missional, being missionaries. And the other calling is simply, maybe God's called you to be a missionary that is supposed to go somewhere far as well. And to be sent by this church. Because God calls us to people and God calls us to groups. The word in Matthew 28, 19, it says, go and therefore into all nations, it says all ethnos, all ethnicities, all people groups, preaching, teaching, baptizing. So God sends us and places a burden on our heart for a certain group of people. And our hearts should break when we see that group of people not knowing God and not walking with God and living a life that is lost and a life that is in darkness and a a life that is hopeless and a life that may be helpless. We should have a burden for that group of people. And God's going to place a burden upon your heart to reach that people. It may be photographers that God wants you to reach. It may be videographers. It may be the skateboarding community. As a mom, it may be your kids' friends that God is calling you to. As a single mother, it may be single mothers that God is calling you to. If you come from a divorce and God God has just put that on your heart to reach people that are coming out of divorces that were ugly and hurtful and and, and, uh, that are still broken and that have gone through a a death-like experience. God wants you to be resurrected and come up from the other side like Jesus did on the third day and not let the circumstances and the situations of life keep you down and keep you dead and keep you going through life like a zombie. God wants to break you free of that shame. God wants to break you free from that hurt. God wants to break you free from that oppression. God wants to break you free from, from feeling that you fail. God wants to deliver you from all of that, and God wants to raise you up and say, I got a purpose for you, and I'm going to show you who I want you to reach because you understand, because you understood, because I will place in you a compassion for somebody who was just like you, and because I did a work in you, and I resurrected your life, and I picked you up 
up from the ashes and I showed you the way and I put men and women and brothers and sisters and the body of Christ around you to heal you and to lift you up and to make you whole again. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a ministry and that ministry is going to reach people all over the world. That ministry is going to change lives. That ministry is going to bring hope. That ministry is going to bring mercy. That ministry is going to bring grace. That ministry is going to bring joy. That ministry is going to bear fruit. That ministry is going to bring to life the dead. Hallelujah. 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 God's called us to be a missionary. God's called you to be a missionary. God's called you to be a missionary. I love what I saw happen in the life. Keep playing. I love what I saw happen in the life of Isaiah. Before he was the prophet Isaiah. King Uzziah had just passed away and he was the king of Judah and Israel was in turmoil and the people were living as if they were living without a shepherd. They were living without direction. They were living without purpose. They were living without identity. And when people are that way, guess what? They wander. We drift. And when we're hungry for anything, we'll eat anything. We'll, 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 we'll clasp onto something that sounds good, even if it's not the real thing. We're like, that's good enough for me. There's nothing like the, the love of Jesus. Isaiah was just a young man, and he saw the people of Judah hurting for a lack of leadership. There was a void of leadership and spiritual leadership. There was a, there was a lack and a void of their moral compass. And the Israelites, the people of God that were set apart, you know the people of God that are set apart? You know, you know the Christians who are set apart? You know the Christians that are, that are supposed to be set apart for the purposes of God? They started to look like the, the other nations of the world. They started to blend in with the other nations. You could not tell that they were still the people of God anymore. Isaiah's heart broke. And he was in thoughtful prayer. And he was seeking the Lord. He was beseeching the throne of God. And he said, God, something's got to change. Our people are dying. Our people are lost. Our people are far from you, Lord. And the Bible says, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. They were singing, Holy, holy, holy. Hallelujah. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, 
the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. This is what Isaiah saw as he was turning to the Lord in prayer. Woe to me, Isaiah said. Watch this, pay attention. Woe to me, he cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal, like a hot fiery coal, like a bricket. Flew to me in his mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah said, Send me. But he said, Woe to me. I'm a sinner. I've doubted in the past. I've done things unspeakable. I thought things that if they were projected up on the screen, I would be ashamed of. I've said things that I'm not proud of. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against my brother and I've sinned against my sisters. I am not worthy to go. But God said, because of your contrite heart and because of your obedience and because of your desire to be used of, of God, I forgive you. In other words, I make you whole and I am the one who equips you and I am the one who makes you worthy to speak on my behalf and I am the one who considers you holy because of who I am, not because of who you are. And that's the dichotomy of a Christian because we know we're so full of sin. We know that we fall short of the glory of God on a daily basis. And that shakes us. That shakes us. When we allow our faith to become weak and impotent, when we allow our prayer life to become no, uh, very slim or non-existent at all when we stop spending time in the word of God and we become dry like a desert in the word of God and we start to believe the lies of the enemy that we are nothing and that we are depressed and that there is no hope and we lost sight of who we are or identity in Christ God says I restore the authority that I've placed in you right now in the name of Jesus I place a fire over your, your mind. I place a fire over your heart. I place a fire over your life. You know what? You know what that says to me too? Yeah. We have a high calling, all of us. 
It also may mean that some of us have to come and say, Lord, yes, I know I'm caught. I need to repent. I need to get in line with what you're calling me to do. I need to bring myself into alignment with the word of God. I may need to start making arrangements to change my personal lifestyle. Can I hear an amen? I want to be used by God, but guess what? You may need to become an example first, like Isaiah. God, show me. Repent, evaluate, which means give value to the things that are most important again, which is the lost souls. Survey. Take a good look. See where the walls have been broken down in your life. See where, where we've failed and say, God, I need some help right here, God. God, I, I've, I've become a little undisciplined, a little uncontrolled in this area. Father God, I need your help. And God says, don't worry. I got something for that. God calls us to survey. Then he calls us to be equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Equipped. Equipped. We can equip ourselves too. So we could testify. Somebody say reset. Somebody say repent. Evaluate. Survey. Equip. Testify. That's what it means to be a missions-minded Christian. That's why we're a missions-minded church. That's why our church name is Mission Ebenezer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because we're a church that's on a mission. I love what Isaiah says. He says, send me, I'll go. Send me. You don't need all this fancy training. You just got to be willing. God will use you. God will use us. Hallelujah. In the summer of 2000, I was playing for the Newark Raptors. I had just come off of my junior campaign at UCLA. And a buddy of mine said, hey, we have a spot up here. We need a shortstop. Would you come up to upstate New York and play with us? And I didn't have to give it a second thought. I jumped on a plane, flew to New York. And when I got off of that little propeller plane on the tarmac in Rochester, New York, I looked up there to the concourse area and one of my best friends, Matt Heath, was standing up there. Looks like Hulk, man. He's so buff. There was another shadow or a silhouette right next to him of an, another guy who was a little, had a shorter statue, stood about five foot four. And the two guys came to pick me up at the airport. And it was my buddy Matt and another teammate for the summer. His name was Kelsey Osborne. And Kelsey was a middle infielder at the University of Arizona. And he was also playing there in the summer league. I was living it up. I was living a boy's dream. I was so focused on what I believe God had called me to do that, um, you know, I had kind of forgotten about what it really meant to be a Christian and to be a witness for the Lord. And God have mercy on me. May God forgive me. I was 21 years old and I was enjoying life a little bit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I was enjoying life a little bit and and I was, I, was, I was making progress, and I was doing what I loved. And, and man, God had just continued to open up doors. 
we had such a blast and, and we grew in, in, in so many different ways and, and, and Kelsey became one of our best friends and we did everything together. We would play darts after the games late at night. We'd hang out at the, at the house that we were staying, swim at the pool late, play ball, travel all throughout New York, meeting a whole bunch of dudes. I mean, it was amazing. We were having so much fun that I had really let my guard down and forgotten that God had purpose for me in my life to be a missionary for him wherever I went. And towards the end of that summer, we had a four-day holiday break for our all-star break. We went to the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. We visited a couple of professional stadiums, and it was amazing. Kelsey's parents flew out from Tucson, Arizona to spend that whole week with them. And we went everywhere, man. It was so fun. And we were there with his parents together. On the last day of their visit, they flew back to Tucson, Arizona. And we went back to take the field. We were playing batting practice. And I hit a line drive down the third base line off of my wooden bat. And I just smoked that line drive. We weren't wearing helmets at the time. It was so hot, so humid, mosquitoes everywhere. It's, back then in college baseball, we just, nobody wore helmets. I'm not kidding. My buddy Kelsey was in foul territory down the third baseline. The ball struck him on the backside of the head. He was in a coma for six days. Had to call his parents. His parents came back. That very night, his dad came walking down the corridor of Rochester Strong Memorial Hospital. You can look it up. The story is there all over the internet. His dad said, where's Josh? Where's Josh? He found me. He put his huge hands around my face. He kissed me on the forehead and we began to weep and sob for 10 minutes straight. I didn't know what to do. I had just struck the baseball that sent my teammate and buddy into a coma. And he passed away on July 17th summer of 2000, just a month before I met Boomi. I remember telling her the story. She didn't even believe me. She goes, no way. I said, yes, it's a terrible tragedy. Kelsey breathed his last breath. His parents said, well, Josh, we heard that you're, you come from a preacher's family. Is there any chance that we could do a memorial service for him right here at the field for all the community? He was the fan favorite. He was the dude that would run around the bases with all the little four and five-year-old kids doing the, the, the base run challenge, you know, all that, those kind of seventh inning games and gimmicks. You guys know what I'm talking about? That was Kelsey. He was loved by everybody. I said, absolutely. The stadium was packed. There was two, 3,000 people there at, at, the, at the stadium as an old minor league field. And I conducted my first service, and I wasn't a preacher, I wasn't a pastor. I called home, and my dad gave me the rundown on how to lead through a service. And I practiced that whole week, singing Amazing Grace. We had people share there at the stadium. And there were hundreds of people that raised their hand and received Christ that day in the stadium. It was awesome. 
reason why I share that story is because I never talked to Kelsey about Jesus once that whole summer. God have mercy. I don't know if Kelsey ever knew Jesus. I don't know if anybody ever talked to him about the gospel or gave him the good news of Jesus. I still miss him. His parents miss him. We're still in contact with his parents. I think I've shared this story. His brother, Chon, named his, his first child, which was a boy, Kelsey. And he was born on the same day as my son, Elisha, September 21st. Pretty cool little connection from the Lord only. I share this story because you never know when somebody is going to slip out of their skin. But I pray that the Lord compels us to make sure that we make time and are intentional about sharing the love of God with everybody in our lives. That's the urgency of the gospel. That's the urgency that we have to live with every day. It's the urgency that we have to wake up with in the morning and say, yes, Lord, send me, I'll go. Yes, Lord, send me, I'll go.